supposed to be doing that? Okay, sorry. Okay, we're starting now. Welcome back, everyone, to Double Dario. Uh, we're so excited you're here joining us again. Our guest this episode is Lillian, who currently lives in Berlin from Brazil. Um, the sheer amount of activism she does is, <laughs> is amazing, um, but we'll talk about just some of that. She has her own record label called My People Records that focuses on women, LGBTQ um, folks, um, and uh, BIPOC folks as well. Um, and uh, Lillian, we're excited to have you. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for inviting me. So we are going to start with um, kind of your background in hardcore, which is really exciting since you um, grew up in Brazil and then moved to Berlin as an adult. Um, so what was your, like, how did you get involved in, like, punk and hardcore? What was it like in Brazil? Um, share all of that with us. Yes, thank you. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm, um, I'm not young. <laughs> um, I'm nearly 39 years old, so uh, there's a, a half of my life I have been involved in punk. Um, literally, like, what happened is that when I was a late teen, uh, I start, I was like buying these music magazines, you know, like uh -huh. uh, they were shipped to your house every month. You have like a year subscription or something. And by that time, I was also like my only source of new music and to get to know new artists. It was like either um, alternative uh, rock uh, radio or MTV because MTV Brazil used to be huge. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, they kind of, the, the channel doesn't exist anymore, kind of. But yeah, I mean, you could say that about MTV here, too. It's not music, I don't think, at all. So. Yeah. <laughs> and um, in that, uh, that was a TV show, um, like a show on MTV Brazil that was like to introduce new rock bands, new alternative bands. And um, uh, I, I start like getting to know Ah, Brazilian underground mainstream bands, if that makes sense. They were not like, I don't know, Offspring or, I don't know, Nirvana. But, I don't know, they would have some hundreds of people in a concert or even thousands, you know. And then one day, when I was uh, 19 to 20, I decided I want to go to my first concert on my own. Uh, it was, I'm from South Brazil and we do have winter. So I, because I want to feel punk, I wasn't, but I want to feel punk. I stole one of my grandpa, uh, like wine bottles because he had some wine bottles just for decoration. He would not drink. And I knew he would never miss because he actually had no idea what he had there. And I went to this concert on my own. And um, it was a very nice, like, 
concert uh, house like in Brazil, that uh, in South Brazil, in Porto Alegre, from where I'm from, that would have this mix, like your punk, whatever, stray ed band would play there, but also a bit more like underground mainstream bands as well. So I went there, I met two girls that were on their own as well. We kind of, it was very nice. We kind of instinctively tried to protect each other because we were one of the few women there. And we became friends and we wanted to start a band. But uh, only with women. But we had no idea that would exist any other woman and like playing in bands because we were like so young. And in that show, there were uh, outside the show, this concert, there were like people from the first Stray Ed band from my hometown, Amor. And they were giving flyers with other concerts that we would have in that same place. And also flyers talking about vegetarianism and punk and stray ed. And that's how I came to this award. Wow. Thank awesome. you, MTV. Right? <laughs> Thank you, MTV. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> um, I, I miss the days of like those little flyers that would have yes. like the, the list of all the shows, right? It's so, yeah. I mean, I definitely know people who still make flyers and hand them out at shows, which is great, but I, it's so hard where everything is kind of just on the internet now. Um, I, I haven't seen one of those persons in 10, 12 years. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, I, I, I miss that DIY aspect of of the of the scene. So, did you start a band? Yeah. Oh, it, it was horrible. <laughs> we we were like, as I said, like late teens. We were like eighteen, nineteen, something like this. Um, and uh, we uh, what happened is that um, in that time, in one of those uh, music magazines, I also heard about what I thought that was so naive. The first Brazilian band that was only women. Uh, the, the band name it was uh, Bulimia. And it was like one of the most important feminist bands from Brazil. Also, especially because they would sing in Portuguese. And most of the bands at the time would uh, uh, sing in English. And actually, uh, don't want a shocking one, but uh, there is only 90 years since I learned English. I couldn't speak English since uh, until 2012. So, wow. yeah, so this also means that any song in English wouldn't affect me at all. Uh, I really need like the Brazilian yeah. punk bands to send me any message because um, I had no idea about other languages. And uh, so um, we, we were addicted to this bulimia band. Mm -hmm. and you can actually find on Spotify, wherever nowadays. And they were so aggressive sweet i don't know how to explain this they uh, like the singer had this very high note voice but they were sing playing like fast punk so we want to be like them because they were like our idols so but none of us had ever played in a band okay so we try tried we tried up with a drummer she was not bad but she disappeared. I think she didn't like us. She never oh, ever no. returned our calls or uh, whatever. So I was like, you know what? I think I can do that. I will watch some videos on the internet. Uh, not on the internet, I'm sorry. I, there wasn't internet at that time. On MTV. And uh, <laughs> so I literally had like Offspring, Kitty, and other bands that I would record in VHS and play in slow to see what the drummer was doing. And then I was like, 
oh, I think I can do that. Then we start a band. <laughs> That's how. Okay. Um, then afterwards, like in the meanwhile, we also uh, start listening like to, I don't know, Brujeria and Kitty and stuff. Then we decided, okay, let's change the name of the band. Now we will be a metal band. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think we had three concerts with the punk phase and two concerts with the metal band. Then everybody, I don't know, then we were already on our 20s. We had other things to do. And uh, but this was my first band. Then afterwards, I played in a straight band for three years. Okay, uh, it was the only band I was the front person, and this will never ever happen again. <laughs> uh, I'm too shy. Like the older oh. I'm getting, the more I'm get I'm getting shy. But I was like this very brand new straight kid that will tell you in the concerts how cool it's to be straight go yeah, vegan yeah. go vegetarian <laughs> and then I became vegan as well I was uh, like vegetarian straight and then after two years I became vegan and then I moved from my town to another town then there I had other three bands <laughs> uh, wow. I moved from Porto Alegre to Curitiba then this was from 2005 to 2009. Then I played drums in two bands and bass in one. And But then after 2010, I really had, I was like reaching my 30s. <laughs> I was like, I need to do something in my life. I'm not happy. Things feels like empty for me here. I was a red vegan. I cook. Actually, since I became vegan in 2003, I had to learn how to cook. So I, I started like, and I really got like in the sweet teeth thing. Mm -hmm. And um, so uh, in 2012, I actually, Sarah, I wrote to a vegan cafe that used to, um, used to be in Hackney. All right. And oh. it was an all-volunteer place. Uh, the name was Pogo Cafe. Mm -hmm. And I was I, I wasn't happy where I was, so I was I sent them an email asking if Brazilians could be a volunteer there because I was regarding I was concerning visas and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And they said, "Yeah, you can." Then I saved some money and I spent six months in London in 2012. That's awesome. Yeah, it, that's how I learned English <laughs> because I decided to go <laughs> to England without speaking English. It was uh, wild, but that's anyway. Amazing. That's then, amazing. Yeah, that's that's when I started learning, and then, uh, and so from this time, I was just trying to sort my life. I sadly had no time or money to do the things I used to do, like playing bands. Then my the love of my life, my grandmother, she passed away in two thousand thirteen. I lost my ground completely because mm -hmm. she was also my mom. I was living mm. with her since I was a year old. I mean, and so I really need like fresh air. So some friends told me like, oh, we can help you with the tickets. Come to Germany. We help you to find like a student visa and spend mm -hmm. a year here, get some fresh air. And I never left. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So. <clears throat> wow. You, Sorry. You, no, <laughs> I'm like life. a little. I mean, no, there's just so much to talk about. Just. The fact that you learned multiple instruments, you were in all of these bands. Um, did any of them like 
were they mainly just local bands? Did you get to tour at all? Did you get to put out any records, anything like that with those bands? Um, One of them, you can find all all those bands on YouTube for sure. Uh, The one I used to um, sing for, the Stray Mm -hmm. one, uh, oh my god um, the name is so funny the name was Convictus you know like yes. so, um, guys I was 21 okay yeah. <laughs> and we were all fresh stray at kids because of this other uh, stray at band in my hometown so you know that's initial fire and energy mm-hmm. and passion yeah um you can i because we will talk about that but because of the record label i start this year um i i have us on spotify now so cool. you can yeah you can find us there oh we, i will <laughs> yeah we did tour only in south brazil okay we played a couple of uh cities in a different state but then mm-hmm. i moved it out to another to another city and then the band end, uh, okay. ended then the other band, there was one of them that we actually had a Brazilian tour with a band from Chile once. Cool. Uh, but it was a bit crazy. Um, the band from Chile was a very a nice band. The name is To Feel Alive. And it's like, has a catharsis vibe, but okay. with a majority of non-cis guys in the band. Mm. So, uh, and like everybody at the time was straight so um, I was in love with this band, so I invited mm-hmm. them to come to, to, to do a summer tour with us. They came, and um, so we went four different states in Brazil, and this is kind of actually a lot, because you read cover, like, we read travel more than 1,200 kilometers between cities. Wow. And, but the thing is, like, the band didn't exist before this tour. Actually, me and other three friends, we just set the band so we could go on tour with them. <laughs> we thought they were so cool. That's and, awesome. <laughs> but this was a problem because, I mean, we are all friends nowadays, but at the time, we didn't get along like oh, when we had no. to spend time with each other every day. Yeah. <laughs> and we had the band for two months only before going on tour, you know. So okay. after the tour, I think we had one concert and we we split. But <laughs> y- yes, but you you can also the band. Uh, well, all the names are in Portuguese, but um, I I can like write you all the yeah, names. Yeah, yeah, that would be great. Uh, this was Eu Matei Pedro. It's um it's like translates to I Kill It Pedro, and this was inspired by a crazy um film that the name is Happiness. And I, I, there's nothing I can tell you about. It's a kind of cult film. Uh, you have to watch, see how crazy it is. But there, in some point, uh, a guy called Pedro, he raped one of the characters and she killed him. So that was the, the idea. But there's so much more on this film that this, this doesn't define this film at all. And um, the other ones like that I also played drums was Como Todo Mundo. We did play a bit. And we do have a demo that was released by El Dopa Records, and um, a South Brazilian record label. And the am I missing something? Oh yes. <laughs> and then there was also another stray at band I played that um, the name was the uh, próxima vez eu mato você. There was a lot of killing in my band's names. <laughs> this was um, <laughs> next time I kill you. And the inspiration was that we were all vegetarian. Well, I was vegan, but 
everybody else was vegetarian and straight and uh, we want to be we had a lot of like vegetarian messages in our songs and this name came because there was like a design of, at the time this was 2016 uh, 2006 mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um there was like a call Uh, with a knife telling the butcher that next time you try to kill me i will kill you so that was the uh, that was the the idea there are videos on youtube um but we don't have anything we, well all those bands used to have myspace yes. <laughs> that's the problem we all yeah. MySpace and we our songs are gone now so oh i know oh <laughs> I wish we would have known better, like yes. when everybody switched to Facebook from MySpace to be like, make yes. sure you save all your stuff. Because yes. there are definitely some like amazing photos that I've lost that I'm so bummed about. Yeah. So well, go ahead. No, yeah, no, no, just quickly, because I tried to, because of the record label, I asked the people from the band, from this uh, band that went on tour with To Feel Alive, hey, yeah. I, can, I can set us on Spotify now. Do you have the demo and nobody can find oh, because no. we can't on uh, um, MySpace. So yeah, oh, that's, no. yes, we have no idea. No one can find the copy. Yep. Oh, that's such a bummer. Yep. <laughs> so what was what was your experience like in Brazil um, as like a non cis man in the scene, what is the scene like there? Because I know very little about Brazilian hardcore. Um, we played with, um, a band from Brazil when we were in Europe last time. Um, and they were wonderful. They were vegan straight edge, um, called time and distance, but that's like all I know. And I feel awful saying this, but that's all I know about, Brazilian hardcore. What was it like for you there? I I know the the guys from Time and Distance. Oh yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the singer <laughs> is from South Brazil as well. And this first straight edge band I had, we played two bands, two concerts together with one of his first straight edge bands. As oh, well. very cool. Yeah, but that's a long, long time. <laughs> the, the The thing is, um, I'm not in Brazil for eight, ninety, and. Because, yeah, there's 90 years I don't really, really, really live in Brazil anymore. So I can tell you until 2012. Yeah. Because that's yeah. what my memory, uh, what I know nowadays is only from the internet. Right. So um, <laughs> until 2012, it wasn't easy. Mm. Um, I remember like with this, I can tell you, for example, as a someone playing, <clears throat> when I have bands, where uh, it will be a mix of uh, girls and cis guys or non-binary people or trans people and like mm -hmm. um but if there were some cis guys we will be more respected than mm -hmm. without mm -hmm. and what i when i went on tour with <clears throat> with uh, eu matei pedro that had not a single cis guy in the band when like our guitarist will turn uh, tone her guitar it will come at least three guys to ask if she needs help oh my god if uh, she knew how to turn on the things and like so <laughs> to connect switch on switch on and uh, we it was a bit pathetic but uh we also saw like that the chub people and we don't we actually didn't want this kind of attention but it was very clear that the skinnier and more like standard um 
that are more like people that has buddies, females in our band that has buddies that are what society dictates. Okay. Everybody wants to help them, talk to them, mm. uh, give them free acai, <laughs> you mm. know, like, and then me and the bassist that we were not, like, people who barely, people will not even recognize us as band members sometimes. Mm. So we, 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 it was brutal the difference. When I had bands that would have cis guys, it was completely different. Mm -hmm. And um, so we had um, people really not believe in us. Uh, we also had people like, we find out later that like other bands that even, I don't know, weren't, I can't say that we were not, that we were famous, but we got some attention because of this tour. And we had like nearly bands that would get a way better treatment, get more money. Mm. So this was the mentality at that time. I actually, I didn't release yet, but I did record an episode, um, a podcast uh, episode with the front person of uh, um, To Feel Alive at the time. Mm -hmm. um, and they told me like, they, because they are from Chile, so they were in Brazil for touring that they never got so much free assay in their lives because uh, they were the front person at the time. And like they told me like after each concert, they um, MySpace uh, inbox will have mm. lots of uh, cis, uh, dudes saying, do you want to you pass by here? Do you want to have some assay? Do you want to, you know, like, and, and it's, it's so sad. Those are so sad. Mm. But this is like a, 10 years plus mentality. I think things changed a lot nowadays and I think for the better. Uh, by that time when, I don't know if someone would say that, hey, this person from this band does this to me and people will not believe. There was a strong brotherhood in protecting your bros, you know? And I see this really, really different. We sadly had some like horrible cases and situations that was like changed people's mind because there was a predator in south mm. brazil that mm. lots of people believed the dude until the day that things exploded in a so horrible way that it mm. couldn't be denied mm. and then from that i'm so sad that happened but at least finally people start to believe people that yeah. uh, share they experienced something horrible with someone but it's also divided the people, uh, uh, mm -hmm. divided a bit of the scene. So you had like, nowadays one of the scenes that I see very, very strong and activist, active is the queer scene, the queer feminist scene. Uh, like as an alternative punk scene somehow. Um, you still have like, the um, we used to have amazing vegan stray ad festivals, you have no idea, mm -hmm. like we have so many like bands playing it from Brazil, but also, I don't know, uh, even this doesn't have to be vegan straight, but like so big um, uh, hardcore festivals that you would have most precious blood. You would have mm -hmm. like um, Walls of Jericho. You would have Bane, you know, like big and mostly in Sao Paulo, obviously, like Sao Paulo is like our, I don't know if I can compare with New York and London, but something like this. And it's a big city that attracts a lot of people. And ah, this is, well, it's a pandemic now, but this, it is lowered down a lot. So 
but that's 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 what I can see from the internet. Um, and now there is a pandemic for like one and a half a year almost. What's it been like for you in Berlin now as mm-hmm. um, a member of you know the hardcore and punk scene there and being you know an immigrant there and um, have you like what what's it been like compared to Brazil or is it nothing like it? Um, have you really enjoyed it? Um, what do you think of of being in Germany and in the hardcore scene there? Yeah, it's very hard to compare because it's two brutal different realities. Mm-hmm. In Brazil, you have lots of people just trying to survive and have what to eat. Yeah. And this yeah. reflects the hardcore scene. And I'm not like overreacting. This is true. Like maybe you could have so many other bands or people bringing the creativity, but they are stopped by the fact that they and they parents, families, maybe they have kids, they need food, you know, like, yeah. and here you, until the kids are 24, they get 200 bucks from the state. Gosh, yeah. yeah. From the day they born until they are 24, you know. So, you, you, like, we make jokes like that. Um, it is really, it's just a joke, but there's a lot of young German people at Fluff Fest, for example. And with friends of mine that we are read over to it, we always make jokes because this money the government gives here for you, if you are a German born uh, child, is Kindergeld. And we always make fun. Ah, oh, look, all the kindergarten kids here. <laughs> because they are definitely like on the early 20s. And they, yeah. this is just a joke. Like, and, um, but in terms of support or how I feel comfortable or I actually love Berlin. <laughs> I, I wouldn't change, exchange the scene for, I mean, I, I only know Brazil and Europe, but uh, what I know I, I I love here. It's my house. It's my home. I'm mm-hmm. actually trying to become a German citizen, and um, I I I don't know. I don't I don't know how I could even describe. But there is a lot of privilege here. So mm-hmm. if maybe sometimes people could support me more or do things, this is huge influenced by the the, the privilege privilege they have. Mm. It's so easy to um, organize a concert here. Everybody wow. has like speakers and amplifiers. Uh, wow. You ask if someone has a drum set, and you come five people telling you, oh, "You can borrow mine." You, you know, like it's wow. and in Brazil it's so hard. Like you maybe have that one person that managed to get the drum set, and that everybody will bother that one person, poor one person, and at some point the person, oh, man, again, you know, like and um, it, it, it's hard to compare. A very two, two very different realities. Um, in Berlin, there's so many places you can have concerts. And uh-huh. in Brazil, it's get like for alternative, non-commercial concerts. It's getting harder and harder because it's also like bars will ask you sometimes way more money that you can share because you don't have you don't know if you will be like ten people attending on a hundred. You know, like unless it's a very famous band, you. Sometimes you cannot even book the bar because you will not be, you are afraid you can reach the minimum uh, to cover the bar costs and then you don't help the band or something, you know. And like here, you have alternative place. Um, you, 
you, some people can have access to like um, rooms in the university that you can use as a cultural thing yeah. and you can have a concert there. So it, it's like I don't I don't want to say that the things here are more active and but it has people has more access to everything literally. So this is a huge difference. That's that's really. I think that's probably really helpful for people to know is that, you know, when you grow up in a privileged country, like somewhere like Germany or even England or the United States, right? I think you think just based on a lot of probably night, you know, being ignorant or naive about it, that everywhere (laughs) can just do shows and have bands. Um, And I think that that's, probably good for people to know that like in some places yeah like not everybody has somewhere they can have a show or has the instruments they need or you know like yes. there aren't as as many bands or as much happening because people are poor you know like they yep. like it's not so privileged so I think that's really helpful for people people to know yeah I even uh, like it's like an example like some people in t- uh, time um oh my god I forgot uh, the band time and uh, distance <laughs> yeah time and distance like I I know like some of them are like um, vegan chefs and mm. you have no idea how much yeah they two of them have a vegan pizzeria it's amazing oh. and but before this like they they actually I'm pretty sure they had to sacrifice some money for this dream they had. And because they only open up like one, two years after this tour, for example, you know, like they really want to come with their band to Europe, but then it would, it takes you longer maybe to do other things because you need some time to recover your finances to come to Europe. Wow. Yeah. That's a really good point. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's an expensive trip to, it's expensive to tour in Europe for anyone, but to come all the way from Brazil to tour Europe is, that's a lot of time money. It's a. I just. It's just. I mean, we we can uh, switch to another subject or topic, of course. But just to give you an idea, I think from São Paulo to Europe, hmm, before the pandemic, you could get flights with return for six hundred euros, seven hundred, something like this. But the minimum wage in Brazil is less than two hundred euros. Wow. So if yeah. you don't eat for three and a half months, yeah, you can come to Europe. Mm. You wow. know what I mean? You don't do anything. Yeah. All you, the money you earn, go, you know, like, so that's just so you have a, an idea of realities. And actually, the coming back to the kindergarten joke, the yeah. kids here up to 24 earns more than a, a Brazilian minimum wage person that earns a Brazilian minimum wage. Holy yeah, cow. Yeah. I'm sure that will be pretty, I mean, it's eye-opening for me. I'm sure it'll be mm-hmm. eye-opening for lots of other people to hear that and to kind of recognize, even though we, you know, I think a lot of, bands in US and in the UK and Europe tour and you know sometimes you have the odd grumble you know not making any money and sometimes you have to spend money to go on tour but I mean the reality is people do most people have enough money to to do that um yes I think it's probably like Kat said it's you know it's good to hear that it's to just remember how privileged we are to be able to have these scenes and you know relatively easily put on shows traveled shows do tours it's yeah it's important 
But you, so you set up a record label as well, My People Records. And was that something you started in Brazil or was that something that started after you'd moved to Berlin? So from uh, 2000. Two thousand one, like immediately when I I I and my friends we wanted to be like um, a band uh, with only women, and that we thought that maybe mm-hmm. it was only three or five in the world, you know, because yeah. we had no idea about yeah. other bands. Um, I actually started like um, a proto project, something that, um, how can I explain? It was different than what my people is now, but also um, I was younger. My um, politics were not so like oh, uh, amplified as they are nowadays. So for that Southern Brazilian mindset of 2000, I had um, a little record label as well. Only at the time it was like uh, tapes and CDR. I don't know mm-hmm. if you remember when CDR oh, yes. was the thing. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So uh, the name was Meninas Hardcore. That's just hardcore girls in uh, mm-hmm. in English. So it was the Meninas Hardcore Records. Um, I would uh, release some uh, um, VA. Is this uh, when you have like few bands in one? Um, we have like one side of the tape, like four or five bands, the other side, other five, four bands. Yeah, like a compilation this. kind of thing. Compilation, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, I had some compilations and uh, tapes or CDR. And, but then at that time, the focus on, was only like bands with women. And at that mm-hmm. time, my mentality was like, it has to be, uh, at, it has to at least have a woman that is a singer. Otherwise, mm-hmm. I wouldn't release, you know. Um, but that was what I had in my life at the moment yeah. just like fighting for women's rights or yeah. I, I, I you might I don't want to shock anyone but at that time I barely knew anything about black activism and I'm a black person so I had I, I heard like the first feminist bands from Brazil from then I got to know Bikini Kill and Bretton Mobile and Twin Dresh mm-hmm. and other bands people would translate to me and that was my mindset, you know, like yeah. women's rights, women's pride. And that's all I, I was thinking about. And when I moved to the other town, I because I would also organize some festivals, actually. Um, this I'm proud to say, like I organized the first fest, big festival, like in my hometown that would have only bands that would have women. Uh, but this was but this was 2002. So it's. And um, and then even came bands from other states. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but then uh, my people is, is different because I'm another person nowadays. Mm-hmm. And I don't care only about the gender I identify with, um, which was my 20s mentality. So I started My People Records in February this year uh, during the pandemic. I didn't expect because we had the first lockdown in Berlin, in Germany from March to May last year. And yeah. then again from November until now, June. Yeah. Uh, so it was like eight months lockdown. Yeah. I didn't expect that because uh, this means I wasn't working for eight months. I was at home. So I work in a restaurant. And so everything everything that wasn't essential was shut down. Yeah. And uh, so I managed until fe- December and but in january i was starting to get desperate 
because I didn't have I have asthma, so I really I wish I could see my friends, but I didn't want to see anyone because mm-hmm. I I'm I'm very I read as a child I have so many like uh, bronchial problems and stuff, so yeah. I, I I have panic about this 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 virus. So yeah, I'm not joking. As a as a child, like I used to be, and still as an adult, I still have to have like this asthma spray and stuff. So I had to really isolate myself. But it just also got me depressed as fuck. Mm. I I think by this time you already noticed I love to talk. I'm communicative <laughs> person, and to me, be three months isol- isolated, it was killing me. Yes, yeah, and tough. also put me down that I was naive. And I, because sometimes when you're nervous, you can't proper think. So I start like sinking in my feelings, thinking like, mm-hmm. fuck, I only know how to cook. Now I cannot work anywhere because everything is closed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't do anything else in my life. I, then, you know, all this like yeah. late thirties things like what yeah. I did with my life, you know, like, so yeah, I started, yeah. Oh, yeah. I spent all these years in punk, what I did. And I was like, I'm I'm not joking. I was like this and I was crying a lot every day. I was like, how stupid why I didn't went to university. You know, like, because when I was a punk, I was like, ah, fuck university. And then, but then, then suddenly I was like, yeah, but maybe I can do something with what I know about bands. And then that's when um, the idea about my people start coming, like, in December, January. And then it's like, you know what? I can talk about bands. I can't, uh, I don't know. I know some people that do good thing. So let's do this again. And um, so, but this time, as I said, I don't care only about my gender, but I also in, uh, want to include people from my queer community and also like uh, black POC indigenous people as well. Yeah. So uh, that's the focus of the band. I don't have a problem anymore as when I was in my early 20s. If there is a... Um, I, I would, for example, release a band that has only cis guys as long as they are not all white. Yeah. And, uh, and please, people, don't bullshit me with reverse racism. There's nothing to do with this. Mm-hmm. It's just that I want to... <laughs> it's just that I want to see people like me, like yeah, in concerts... Yeah have been released and so that's the that's the idea of my people yeah it's awesome and you've you've started a podcast as well that sort of yes in in tandem with your record label yes the podcast sadly uh it's in hiatus right now at the moment but i do have three recorded episodes that i really need to release the (laughs) problem is uh i went from not working for eight months to working more than 10 mm. hours a day now yeah. yeah so um i really need a balance um my my work is killing me i do want to get something uh, that don't kill me this way in the future but at the moment is what i can do so i uh, i think until uh, august i can't do anything especially because this month is the releasing of the book and uh, i have a lot of things to sort about this so uh, um, I'm not uh, doing anything before August, but I will be back in August. I was going to say, you know, you're you're pretty busy. You're doing quite yes. a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You've got this, um, you know, you work as a chef and you're releasing your own vegan cookbook as well at the end of this month. So please tell us more about that. Yes, that's, um, as I said, I really try to do things uh, to keep me like alive emotionally during this pandemic. 
And in this also wave of, oh my God, how stupid I am, I can't do anything. I was like, no, but hey, everybody's always asking me for recipes, like how I do the cake this way, how blah, blah, blah. So maybe I should share my recipes. So that was the idea. And um, I, I'm, how can I say, I don't have like a, a publisher. I'm doing myself, do it yourself, mm-hmm. uh, paying from my pocket. And um, but I'm actually excited about. Uh, I'm not uh, mad. Uh, that's actually something that pleased me. And um, it's a book where you can learn like basic uh, ways, um, some basics to bake. Um, it's not a book. I don't know if you were read like um, pâtissier chef, pastry chef, <laughs> but it's a book that. It will help you every day, like the little mistakes. You don't know why your cake yeah. raise, don't raise well or why this mm. or why that. This I'm pretty sure I can help. Um, like uh, Because I in 2010, I did learn some... Um, there was a program in the town I was living in South Brazil that when you were unemployed, you could have some free like a course like to learn something. And so I did those... Um, two months bake, baker uh, classes, like five days a week. And that mm-hmm. changed my life because actually until 2010, I was this person that couldn't understand why my cakes are getting hard, why my <laughs> cakes don't raise was. And um, also, I mean, uh, it's not super important, but also to learn that actually um, we don't have good wheat in Brazil because we are not mm-hmm. cold enough, not high and cold enough. So that's why sometimes when you take recipes from books from England or Europe or wherever, United States, they might not work in Brazil because uh, our wheat quality is very different. And uh, we have amazing fruits. If you ever go to Brazil, we have any amazing fruit you can ever dream about. But anything that needs a cold weather, we are not the, the, the best ones. And um, anyways, so that's the idea. That's uh, what I want to share. And also see if my friends ask me less for recipes yeah. now if they get my book. So yeah. leave my DMs. Yeah, <laughs> I buy my book. Yes. It sounds really, really useful because I know I've definitely, you know, I have a lot of vegan baking cooking books and I will do a recipe. And if it doesn't work, I just, I don't have any clue why. So I kind of think, I guess I just can't do it. But that kind of idea of like figuring out the basics is so helpful because then everything else you do after that, at least you have some idea of how it works and why it works and why it doesn't work. So exactly, like I'm I will sold. tell you, I will tell you like a very easy example. Like you shouldn't open the door of your oven in the first twenty minutes to okay. check your cake. Good to know. Example. Yes, your cake Great. will. If you if after the five minutes you, I oh, let me see how it is. It's done. <laughs> it's over. Like. Wow. Um, okay like an, another 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 tip as well the last thing you ingredient you add to your cake is um, baking powder okay is the last thing you do because oh, actually okay. the moment the baking powder reacts with the liquid of the cake uh it's over as well you can't mix much after that you have to go directly to the oven so well, yes. that's already one big mistake that i've been making <laughs> <laughs> So these are all things I learned at school. And in my cakes turned from stone to actual cakes afterwards. And I even vegan, what I unfortunately what I learned wasn't vegan, but all these little laws and like mm. structures 
it, yeah. wow, the same recipe I used to do and was terrible, it finally worked out. Yeah. So I guess what everybody will want to know now and what I want to know is what is it called and where can we get it? <laughs> ah, yes. Um, well, you can get at my website. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it's uh, Da Vegan Baker, like T H A uh, Vegan Baker, like because some people think it's like T H E. No, it's mm-hmm. with A because I want to okay. be cool. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and um, it's Vegan Basics um, Baking, uh, the name of the book. And um, you can get digital or um, like the actual. Uh, printed book um i think i said only to send to europe because of posting cop, uh, costs mm-hmm. but if people want maybe to send me to somewhere else you can contact me and i can tell you like the options and um and if people are okay with the cost of the shipping uh, for example i wouldn't send to brazil because cost nearly 30 euros wow. you know like so yes yeah, so that's um I don't. I wouldn't do this to someone that yeah. the shipping cost more than the book. Yeah. But but for that, you can also get the digital version that will come. Awesome. Well, we'll definitely include a link to it because I'm sure. Thank you. You're not going to be the only ones that are going to want to have a read. <laughs> so, on top of you know being a chef and writing your own baking book and clearly having a really big passion for cooking and feeding people, you do quite a lot of activism using your chef skills and your cooking skills um so I know you do a lot to kind of support refugee communities in various ways through your cooking so can you tell us a bit more about that as well yes um just when I moved to Berlin actually this was also uh started with actually um this started um about the need I had um when I moved to Berlin I was just only a student and I wasn't allowed to work so but i still had to pay my bills and i didn't Mm. have money forever so some friends told me like hey you can because i used to live in a collective house this uh collective house because um meant that it was actually a building with six floors and all this building was our house so every floor will have like a couple of rooms Mm. the kitchen will be in the last floor but we had the basement that mm. we could use for social things. So we start hosting like, um, with the help of some friends, uh, we start hosting like some uh, vegan brunch there to help me pay my rent and even school if I needed. Um, after my second year in Germany, I got the right to work. So I didn't need that money anymore, but we thought we shouldn't stop this brunch because every week we hear about someone that needs paper for their lawyers need money mm. for the visa, need money for the asylum status, for the refugee status, need money for the wedding, you know, like anything practically mm. we could do to help people. Um, uh, I'm really trying to not like take out of focus, but for example, I had um, a, a very dear uh, housemate from Cameroon and she ended married to a um, German guy. Mm-hmm. In some point, things didn't work out. They had to split. Mm. And he, the guy went on um, state benefits. But yeah. she was working. But because they were still legally married, uh, he lost his benefits and made her, a black woman from Cameroon, give him money back. 
Mm. And then when they finally divorced, she had a 3,000 euros bill because she was the one working. She has to pay everything. Oh, and and she still had to give another 3,000 for him for the damage to, she gave to his finances because he couldn't get his estate uh, money. It's unbelievable. That's the left-wing <laughs> people that try to support you sometimes. Mm. Sorry, but that's... Um, I'm a, I'm myself like a left-wing person, but uh, unfortunately, some people... Uh, they want to help in some way, but they fucked up even worse. Yeah. So we did exhaustive like for six months to help. We were not her only um, income to help her, but we did everything. And then on top of that, if people would use during the summer, people ask me, used to ask me a lot to like table uh, with cakes in events, you know, like to be tabling. Mm. And so I did a couple that all the cakes went, this money went for her and, and things like this. That's great. It sounds like you've got a really good kind of grassroots network of sort of people in Berlin who are willing to help. I mean, I don't know much about the activist scene in Berlin, but have you found it quite a kind of quite active? And it seems like it's very grassroots, the stuff that you're doing. And like, how did you kind of find that community and what, you know, what's it like? I am very lucky in Berlin in so many ways I cannot even describe, but um I think my, my community starts because we were all living in this shared house and we were like 27 people. So you make a lot of contacts. It's impossible that because your house has so many people visiting every day because, mm. you know, you have 27 housemates. So <laughs> it's, yeah, you know, laughing. like, yes, we made, we, we made jokes sometimes that uh, it would look like, um, how can I say, like... Um, public office i don't know when you have to register when a baby is yeah. born or it yeah, looked yeah. like that because it was all day like people going up and down the stairs we um and because of this beautiful place with people from all ages we have kids living there as well with their parents uh like single parents we have people from all backgrounds from different parts of the globe um that's how my uh, definitely how my community network started because like one housemate, because we would have like weekly um, meetings because, you know, it's a huge house with so many people yeah. in the structure. Mm-hmm. So we had like a weekly meeting and I always would come someone, oh, we know someone that did this and did that. Does some, can someone help? And from this, I, that's how I started my network because I would help people maybe with something they need. I would meet another group of people, another group of people there. So I managed to find people from everywhere. I don't know, from communist party to like queer trans community, the mm. vegan scene, the punk scene. That's like, that's how um, I managed to link with so many people. That sounds awesome. It makes me happy that you found a kind of big extended family in Berlin of all these amazing yeah. people. Yes, even to help me translating things for my visa or going to me like for my visa appointments i always have people from like literally from the punk community and i'm very grateful to that gosh you've done so much (laughs) what is a way what is like one or two simple ways that you think people could maybe try and be more active within their communities or for things that they they care about um just based on your 
experience. Like if somebody said, oh, Lillian, like, how do you do all this? Like, what could I do? What kind of advice would you give people? Well, um, I think you, you, you can start seeing like something you can do that you think is nice. That one of your, I don't know, specialities, I don't know, knowledge or something that you're good at can actually help other people. Mm-hmm. You know, like, mm-hmm. for example, um, easy, like people that are like everybody in Berlin, at least like in the last 40, 50 years, generations, everybody's at least bilingual. You can help people translating um translating letters from the uh, immigrant immigrant um, immigration office going with them like it is just something so simple but maybe if you are a carpenter there is people in need of i don't know furniture or to repair some furniture because uh, it's often like when finally a family or someone gets their status to live legally in germany as a refugee person mm-hmm. like get the asylum this can take eight years. Wow. I had a, I had a housemate from Niger that he said he spent eight years in a refugee camp in Germany oh until the day they gave him the rights to, okay, now you can actually live as a normal person here. Wow. You know, but then they give you this right, but you were living for eight years in a 25 euros a week help from the government. Mm-hmm. That's what people get here. Mm-hmm. Um uh, so how do you start your life yeah so maybe if you can drive you can because we have some apps and websites here where you can get anything you need for free secondhand doesn't mean yeah. they are perfect or yeah. good but you can get it's a lot actually um actually when i uh, I, I live in a new apartment uh, for three years the beginning all i got for free then slowly mm-hmm. i was like changing when i need something that would be better so maybe if yeah. you can drive, you can help this person get in furniture. You know, like it, it doesn't like I tell you by my experience how I felt useless, to, like in the middle mm-hmm. of this pandemic. Mm-hmm. And actually, sometimes there are things you do in your daily base in your daily base that can help people. You can cook. You can like in Brazil nowadays, for example, <sighs> with this horrible president we have, uh, mm-hmm. there's a lot of people starving. So, for yeah. example, this is something I appreciate a lot. I don't know if you ever heard about a Brazilian band called uh, Ratos de Porão. No. They are super famous. They are like okay. they are one of our first punk bands, and okay. I think the singer he's on his fifties nowadays. Um, it happens that he is vegan for a couple of years, and he and his wife, that is also vegan. They are cook like a hundred, two hundred meals a day to give wow. to homeless people. That's awesome. So, so you know, like anything. Sometimes, like uh, you can help feed feeding people in places like Brazil. You can mm-hmm. drive people. You can translate people appointments. Like anything, just see something you can do, like an ability you have or something I don't know that you love. Your love yeah. can help other people. I love that. Thank you. So to shift to our final portion of the episode, let's start by talking about things that you've been listening to um, lately that you like, and it could be music or non-music related, um, anything that you've really been into. Yes, um, I actually, it has been music. It's had, it has <laughs> been music that has been saving my soul. Um, 
literally punk saved me like this pandemic like it's, it's not a joke it's i'm not like trying to uh, transform punk in a novel in a soap opera like in a mm-hmm. romance it really like gave me guess mm-hmm. um because of ricky mm-hmm. i actually got to know a lot of amazing bands i didn't know uh, yeah, well, just quickly, um, I also got to know Ricky more because um, I released two tapes of uh, Dying for It here in Germany. Yeah, that's awesome. And, uh, yes, and then Ricky uh, showed me so many amazing bands, I, I had no <laughs> idea. So I'm in love with with War from Portland. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I, I nearly cry with that band, so amazing. Yeah, such um, I. Yes, it, it, every time I, I listen, the, the front person speaking, like in some introductions of the songs, mm-hmm. I get goosebumps. Mm-hmm. And um, especially because I, I also come from a colonized uh, country mm-hmm. and we also have like indigenous people struggling there. So for mm-hmm. me, as someone that is from my like community, it, it makes me cry, literally. Yeah. Um, I also love Ended from Baltimore um uh well i i like i love fan a lot it's on my uh, playlist (laughs) it's on my playlist um dying for it of course i'm in love with dying for it of course and then there's another californian band that ricky showed me that i'm in love as well the name is no right yeah yeah it's a because i'm a bit of a um metal kid yes yes Uh, (laughs) and uh i I love that band so those are like some of the bands i I got to know actually so many other bands like as famous as drug church or whatever in this pandemic and uh, i have been listening a lot of music cool that's awesome so then what would you say are your like all-time favorite um albums or bands or anything like that like what are your go-to's for all-time music yes um they are definitely brazilian punk bands because uh, as i said like the bands that touch my heart let's say this in the punk scene were the bands that i could understand what they could say so i'm not i, I mean i they it's not that they are not important but like earth crisis mean nothing in my life but they did influence the band that made me become vegan and straight mm. that is point of no return from brazil they were like a seven piece band and so definitely punk um uh, point of no return really is one of my favorite bands no violence from uh, Brazil as well. Mm-hmm. Abuso Sonoro, it was like a crust band with a female front, I don't like to say female front, but with a woman front in the band. And that was amazing for me because it was what, the first crust band that I didn't, I never saw a woman singing that way and was amazing. And they are like vegan anarchists. So, and there was also some bands for you from Germany that I heard in early 2000s. Uh, that I like, like Jager, and um, there was Maquiladoras from Netherlands that also touched me. And um, from the US, I think the ones that, like, it's not that I don't like the other West bands, but this were the first ones that marked me. It was like Bikini Kiru and Tindresh are like, wow, every time, even nowadays when I listen to the songs, I, I cry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would love to, I'm definitely going to share out if you, in our, um, in an email that we'll exchange, 
um, mm-hmm. just list all those Brazilian bands because yes. I would love to yeah. share those out with everybody because yeah. I think that yeah. it's, um, I know for me, I've been trying to expand what I listen to because I've definitely been more of like a U.S. hardcore and then maybe some U.K. and maybe some Europe. But for the most part, you know, it's just been bands from the U.S. And I think that that's not uncommon here. Um but I've been trying to expand more to kind of understand and appreciate, you know, hardcore and punk on other continents yes. <laughs> other yeah, than North definitely. America. So I think lots um, of people yes. are wanting to hear more, you know, different things, different perspectives. So I'm, yeah, yeah, it'd be great to be able yes. to share them. I bet loads of people want to yeah. listen. For this sure. Is, this is really, really important because like mm-hmm. there is so many bands in like Central and like Mexico, Central America, yeah. South America. But also the Asian scene is wild. Yes. Yeah, There's yeah. so many bands. Incredible. Like in um like recently I found a band that I released in South Brazil in the early two thousands. Like they are still activists, um active as Chokokoi, uh if I'm pronounced uh properly. And it's like there was like this Japanese like very heavy trio only women that was machine gun, yellow machine gun. I'm sorry, yeah. And there is wow, you you there are so many bands you can yeah. um, find. Yeah, awesome. Japan has an a, amazing hardcore <laughs> scene, incredible hardcore scene. Yes. But just yeah, Asia yeah. in general. And just to shout out again, unite Asia to find out about yes. all those kind of bands is such an incredible resource because the scenes over there are just wild yeah. yes yeah. well Lillian thank you so much for joining us um and pleasure. sharing yeah and talking about so much that I really didn't know and I appreciate um knowing and understanding more of and I can't wait I'm definitely going to get a digital copy of your cookbook oh yeah thank you <laughs> for sure <laughs> so, very very excited for that Thank you. And it was a pleasure to be here and to share some things about my life, things about the hardcore scene. I really appreciate it. Thanks everyone for joining us. Don't forget you can follow us on Instagram and on Twitter at DDY podcast. And if you want to come on the podcast or if you know someone who you think would be a great guest for us to have on, please let us know. You can either DM us or you can email us uh, ddypodcast at gmail.com.